Week three, victory in strongholds. Stronghold, a place that has been fortified to protect itself against attack is how a stronghold is defined. A place that has been fortified to protect itself against an attack. Usually a stronghold, especially back in these times, was built of thick walls and very tall gates. The purpose was to keep out the enemy from getting into your territory. Um, the term stronghold appears at least 50 times in Scripture, actually, and it's commonly referred to as a fortress with difficult access. The word stronghold, you can see it in different versions. We see stronghold, we see refuge, we see all these different words, but it's, it's, a, it's a stronghold. It's a place meant to keep out. It's a place that is protecting what is inside. Have you ever found yourself stuck in a pattern, stuck in a lifestyle, stuck in a place where you feel like no matter how hard you try, you cannot find victory in it? Anybody ever been there? You're stuck. You feel like you're in this stronghold that nothing you can do will get you out, and even though you pray for breakthrough and you pray that God would enter in, it seems like nothing can get past these tall walls, these tall gates, these thick walls that we have surrounded ourselves with. We feel like we cannot get breakthrough. We're stuck, stuck in a thinking pattern, stuck in not really believing that it's going to get better, just stuck. Anybody with me? You just feel stuck. You feel like you can't get over the gates. You feel like you can't break through the walls. We all want to break down strongholds in our life, and we have popular scripture that talks about breaking down strongholds. One of the most common scriptures is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 3 through 5, and it says this, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. We see in this passage that the first thing that we need to do in understanding uh, strongholds is we got to understand what we're fighting. And we're not fighting weapons of the world and we're not fighting worldly things. If you're stuck in a stronghold or if you get in this place where you feel like you can't get out of a pattern or you're in this place where you feel like you can't move forward, the thing that you've got to come to fight with is not the people who, who signed your paycheck. It's not the parents who did you wrong. It's not the circumstances that have put you in. It's a few things in the scripture. It says human reasoning, arguments that don't line up with scripture, and your imaginations that tend to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. Sometimes the biggest fight in our life is the imaginations that we have in our mind and we almost submit to the imagination rather than the knowledge of God. God says you've won, but you've built up this imagination that I am defeated. And we start labeling ourselves, I'm defeated, I'm lost, I'm stuck, I'm this, I'm that, I can't get through, I'm weak, I wish I could, I can't do this, I can't do that. And we start believing these imaginations and human reasonings and arguments that don't line up with truth. And that's pretty much where we feel stuck. We know truth. We know God's bigger, but we're stuck. And the Bible talks about we can't fight with worldly weapons, so it gives us the weapons we do fight with. And it's Ephesians 6. I'm building up, so just bear with me. In Ephesians 6, it lists the weapons. It says in verse 14, throw it up there, Josh, stand your ground, 
putting on the belt of truth, the, the body armor of God's righteousness, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop fiery arrows of the devil, put on the salvation, salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He says, here are the weapons you need to use. Dress yourselves in truth, right standing, peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. Now, we preach that, and we read it, and usually what our response is, well, Kyle, that sounds great, but I don't even have the energy to pick up the helmet to put on. I don't have enough energy to put faith on because I am stuck. You say put on these weapons and take thought captive and, and get past human reasoning, but it's too real and it's too heavy. How do I even begin? Am I talking to anybody? How do I even begin to start this process? Does anyone, does, has anyone ever re, like thought about that? Does anyone just want the answer of where the heck do we begin? If you want the answer, shout yes. yes. Well, let's talk. Now remember, David is now king. And we come to the place in Scripture in first, or 2 Samuel chapter 5 where we see his first act as king over the, all the 12 tribes of Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 5, we're going to read verse 6. David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land who were living there. The Jebusites taunted David saying, you'll never get in here. Even the blind and lame can keep you out. For the Jebusites thought they were safe. David has finally become king after pursuing God for the past 15 to 20 some odd years. And he knows one thing. God wants all of Israel to be a unified nation. He wants all of Israel to be his people, all the tribes together unified, not under the name of a king, but under the name of the king under the name of God. And he wants a leader, so at first he tried to put um, Saul as a king, but he failed him. Now he says, I'm going to put David as king because what I want is I want unification in Israel. And David knows if that's what my God wants, then in order to be completely unified and surrender to, the, to my God, enemies cannot stay in my territory. And I think there are so many times where we take on God and say, I want to be saved, I want to be yours, but there is so much enemy activity in your territory. God says that you are his temple, you are his dwelling. And the reason why we don't see the Holy Spirit really flow in our temples in his dwelling place is because there's so much enemy activity and inhabiting within ourselves and within the body of Christ. Y'all are really quiet. We, 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 we have too much enemy occupying territory. The goal never changes. God says, I want all my people unified, and I want the enemy under your feet. So David says, this is what we got to do. There is still an enemy in Jerusalem. And because there's an enemy, we got to take it out. God wants you whole. And before you do anything, before you start understanding how to cast down arguments and do this and do that, you have got to understand that there's an enemy in your camp. And you've got to identify the enemy in order to cast down the things the enemy's saying. 
Because a lot of times things start popping in our brain and we don't know where they came from. So we feel lost on who do I attack, where do I attack, what's the argument, what do I go after. And you have not even identified the source of why it came. And you turn to your friends not even wondering maybe your friend was the source. Maybe you're listening to the false teachings and you're trying to do this stuff and you haven't even realized you're listening to a false teaching. Maybe you're practicing ways of the world, not even realizing that the ways of the world do not line up with the ways of the gospel, the ways of a truth that says it's higher than the ways of the world and beyond your capacity to think. Am I talking to anybody? You've got to identify that there is an enemy and realize it's got to go. So David says, Jebusites are living in the land that belongs to God, and now I'm in authority. I'm the king. They've got to go. I'm calling the shots now. I'm the king. In the name of my God, they've got to go. And the moment David identifies the wrong inhabitants in God's place, the Jebusites start to do what? You'll never get in. Even our blind and lame people will, kill, will keep you out. The moment the enemy is identified, the enemy starts to taunt David. You ain't got nothing. You ain't strong enough. You're not going to take this land. This is our place. And that's the false argument that you've got to start casting down. Because the moment you start searching out an enemy and you identify it, taunts begin automatically. Because when you identify the enemy, the enemy tries to identify you. Well, that's just who you are. That's how you grew up. You're never going to change. That's just the way you were raised. That's just your personality. That's just the way you are. And the moment the talk comes, we embrace this thing of our own human reasoning when the scripture in 2 Corinthians says you have got to get past the human reasoning. Because the moment you start identifying the enemy, the taunts come. You don't have the power. You can't do anything. I, I hear it all the time with people. Hey, you've got to be more humble. Well, that's just not who I am. Well, you are not of God, my friend, in that area. And just because that's who you are does not give you an excuse to live as if you are not a child of his. Well, I can't help that I'm an alcoholic. I can't help that I'm a drug addict. Yes, you can. It's called don't take it and don't put it in your mouth. The crap that happened to you when you were a kid or an early adult does not give you the right to say, God, sorry, this is who I am. You've got to identify the enemy, but the enemy's going to start taunting. You can't get over this. This is who you are. This is the only way you can deal. This is the only way you can get peace. This is the only way you're going to be able to survive because you have a horrible day ahead of you. This is the only way you're going to be able to get through anything. And we start to believe it, and there's enemies living in your territory. And the enemy is a lie. The enemy that is living is the lie that you've taken on as part of you. Because the enemy doesn't have the authority to take you. It only has the authority to suggest a lie, and then you make the lie live. It's really quiet. It says they taunted because the Jebusites, what? They thought they were safe. You see, up until this time, Jerusalem was a small Canaanite city in the very center of Israel. Jerusalem was in the center of Israel. And God commanded Israel to take it back about 400 some odd years ago. So David was walking into a command that had been in effect for hundreds of years 
and the enemy was right in the center of God's people. Being in the center, it was a place that was easy to fortify, easy to protect, and easy to build up strongholds because they were able to protect themselves from all sides. They weren't going to get blindsided. They had plenty of, uh, it, it, it was a small area. They had plenty of, of, of ways to make sure that no one was going to take them by surprise. The enemy thought they were safe. They'd been there a long time. It was their home. They said, we ain't moving. We're in the center of this country. We've got a stronghold in this area. And isn't it funny that the place the stronghold, the place the enemy builds strongholds in our lives and the strongholds we get caught up in are all in the center point of all the activity of your temple and your body, which is the mind. Because the enemy says, I'm in the center, and as long as I can get this to agree, it don't matter where your body goes, you're going to listen to me. That's why we got people in church every week, and they look the least like Christ, because the enemy ain't trying to get control of where you go on Saturday. And he's trying to get control of what's going on here as soon as you leave or even in the midst of being here. It's trying to get the center point of your country. And walls get built. And even right now, I say things that offend you, and there's a, there's a wall that you won't let the truth get in because that's just who I am. That's the only way I know how. Kyle, you don't get me. I don't have to get you. All I've got to get is the truth. The truth is not circumstantial. It is the truth, and it stays. But is your stronghold built up so much because you have let the eye, the lie, gain occupancy of the center of your country? <laughs> so it's not going to be easy. And in 2 Samuel 5, even though these people are taunting him, in verse 7, it says, But David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. <laughs> I love that. David walks up, his first battle. They're saying, you're not going to get in here. The stronghold's too strong. You're not going to get in. We've been here too long. This is our place. Very next verse. David captures the city, and then he renames it. He says, you know what this is called? It ain't no longer going to be called Canaanite territory. I'm not even going to refer to this as Jerusalem. This is the city of David. You know why? Because if it's meant to be God's, all you need to do is be willing to march forward in the authority of Jesus Christ, cast down arguments, and live in the truth. And say this body is God's, this mind is God's, this soul is God's, this spirit is God's, and no stronghold is going to keep me from walking into all the promises that he has for me. What is the promise? I don't have to live depressed. I don't have to live with anxiety. I don't have to live with unhappiness. I don't have to walk with my head down. I don't have to depend on a drink. I don't have to depend on a substance. I don't have to depend on anything except the peace that surpasses all understanding which lives in me because I've taken authority over my country and enemy, you've got to go. Not only did David capture it, but he renamed it. And I believe that some of you need to rename yourself tonight. I'm not depressed. I'm joyful. I'm not defeated. I'm a victor. I'm not weak. I'm strong. 
I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint, and I'm the priest of my home. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom. I'm a son of the living God. I am a daughter of the living God. And if someone comes into disagreement with it, you need to get out of that conversation and don't allow that thought to enter into the center of your camp. It's not worth it, and you're too good to stand in it. <laughs> Look at Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18. I got spit all over my Bible. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's pretty smart for Simon Peter. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. He says, there is no way you would have gotten that had it not been revealed to you by my Father in heaven. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Look at what happened. Jesus says, I've got to rename you before I can build anything on you. Because if I start to build stuff on Simon, it will fall. But if I start to build on the name that I've called you to be, it says the powers of hell can't conquer it. Therefore, if we live in a state where the powers of hell are conquering your identity, it's because you have not successfully walked into the rebranding of who you're supposed to be when you are reborn into Jesus. Have you truly lived in the renaming of you? Or are you still living in yesterday? Are you still living into what they made you feel like? Are you still living in a place of that's just my personality and that's just who I am? And you wonder why everything keeps falling. Or maybe you wonder why nothing can start being built. Because Jesus says, I have one goal. I want to build my church. The way I'm going to build my church, you go and make disciples. But I can't build anything on you if you don't believe who you are. Because the moment something comes against you, it's going to break you. <laughs> yep. So David renames the place, and he conquers the city. And then the rest of the chapter tells us how he did it. Who wants to know how? Okay. Look at 2 Samuel 5, verse 8. On the day of the attack, David said to his troops, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. They were just taunting them. Our blind and lame Jebusites can keep you out, oh powerful. Think about the taunt. David has won every battle he's come against, including being a shepherd boy with no military experience, defeating a giant with a stone and a slingshot. And they're sitting there like, David, you ain't got nothing. My first thought is like, have you seen the dude? But they're like, David, even you can't get in here. Our blind and lame people, they'll conquer you. And David's like, I hate those blind and lame Jebusites. <laughs> Whoever attacks them should strike by going into the city through the stronghold. Nope. It says, whoever attacks them should strike by going into the city through the water tunnel. 
That is the origin of the saying, the blind and the lame may not enter the house. He says, fine, you taught me, I'll turn around. I'll identify you for who you really are. You're weak and you're blind to truth and you're never going to be able to enter into the house that my God builds. David says, I've got the authority over this house and I'm not going to allow you to get in because this land is my God's and it's not yours. Luke 10, 19 says, look, I've given you authority over the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. That's how bold David is. He says, nothing's going to injure me. I am of God. He told me to take the city, and I don't care how strong you think you are, I'm walking right in, and I'm taking it. You decide what comes in and out of your house. You decide what is allowed to be under your feet or making you think you're under theirs. You decide whether or not you're going to listen to God or listen to yourself. Because God says, you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Yet for so many of us, we're walking into an old name and we're being crushed by the very thing that we've called to walk on top of. And David says, I'm going to take authority and I'm going to go into this stronghold and the way I'm going to go in, my military, my army, I want you to go through not the gates, not climb the walls. I want you to go through the water tunnel. Here's the time. This stronghold is so strong that our weakest people will defend it. Underneath Jerusalem, there was, there's a natural system of waterways and caves, shafts, pipes, tubes. And there were conduit, conduits of natural waterfalls. If you read through, read through stories in the Bible, we see in Nehemiah, if you listen to the series Rebuild for Revival, there was a part of the, of the whole city which it was the Watergate. Y'all remember that? Watergate. If you don't, go listen to it. It was good. There's many stories in the Bible talking about the springs in Jerusalem and, 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 and the water flowing. There, there's, there's many references. The very thing that was the life source to the city was the very way to break down and get into the stronghold. In order to break through into the stronghold, David said, we have got to enter in and conquer by the way of the water. We have got to enter in and conquer by way of the life source. The thing that gives this city water is the very thing that we're going through. We're going through the water tunnel, and it says when they went through the water tunnel, he conquered the city and renamed it. I wonder, what is the source of your life? And what is getting in to your village and your temple because you are not allowing purified water to flow into your being? What is connected to you and giving you life? Is your life source found in the approval of men? The approval of your family? The approval of your boss? Do you find life in the pattern that you're stuck in, but you're so dependent on the pattern that you can't imagine any other source of life? 
We've got these things that flow into us, and oftentimes the very thing that flows into us is the thing building the stronghold. And God says, I don't need you to let the thing building your stronghold keep giving you life. I need you to allow my ways to be your life source because right now the water that's getting in is corrupting you and it's building something in the wrong way. It's not building you up. It's it's corrupting you and keeping you in. I need you to let me get in so that you can explode in your identity as a child of God and conquer this land and conquer the workplace and, and gain victory in your family and gain victory in the weak places. And he says, the only way you can do it is if you make sure that purified water is your life source. In Ephesians 5, 26 through 27, it says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spots or wrinkles or any such thing, but that the church should be holy and without blemish. How do you get holy without blemish, no wrinkles, and no having spots? You've got to let the water come in through your life source. And you've got to be washed by it. And it says the way that you get washed by the water is by the word of God. See, it, it changes our whole perspective and why we should be in this book. And I'm going to make a bold statement that some preachers won't do, but y'all know me, I'm going to do it anyways. This isn't the only word of God. I'm not saying there's four other holy books. You know what the word of God is? Jesus. You get in this book and you follow his lead. Because you were washed by walking in step with him. You see, it's not laws to keep you sanctified. You know what keeps you sanctified? The blood of the lamb. Keeping this law has nothing to do with your salvation. It has everything to do with making sure that pure water is getting through your life source. Pure water is going through the tunnel. Because if you're not having pure water, you're going to have things in your life source, in your tunnel of life, that's going to be building up all this stuff that's going to keep you hidden. And some of you think that you're not good enough to be exposed. But I'm going to declare tonight that you're too special to stay hidden. You're too special to be in the back seat. God's called you to be a driver. He's called you to lead the way. He's called you to lead where you are. I was listening to a preacher this week. If you want to know who he is after I talk about this, you can talk to me after the service. He was talking about Hurricane Dorian. And it was talking about the, the passage in Scripture where Jesus is sleeping in the storm. And... It says they were on the sea and the winds disturbed the waves and then the boat started to rock and then his disciples went to the worst case scenario. What are you doing asleep and we're all going to die? And what he talked about, there was nothing wrong with the sea. It was the winds of restlessness that caused a storm to manipulate the waves of the sea to cause the boat to rock. The Bible says that the earth fell into chaos when sent into the world. And in the original order, 
we have the authority. And what the preacher talked about was, what if all these hurricanes and storms are rising up? Not because of the old thinking that God's sending storms, but because the winds of restlessness are not finding authority to calm them. What do you mean, Pastor Kyle? There is something that needs to be done in this world. And we're depending on some big wig preachers to be the game changers. And God says the way that this world is going to come up under authority is when every single one of my sons and daughters starts to rise up and walk in what I've told them to walk in. But they won't believe it because the wrong thing has been feeding them water. And instead of busting out in authority and walking in the name of Jesus, we've got walls up. And we are building defenses around us. We don't like to share our feelings with people. We don't like to be transparent about what's going on. We don't want to fail because we don't want to be called failures. When really the true church should be so intimate that we celebrate in failures because it's one step closer into you being successful. When are we going to get into a place where we can start taking risks together and not have to worry about being judged? You want to know how? We get washed by the water, which is the word. How do I rename myself? If what you think of yourself doesn't match up with this word, wash it with the word. He says, you're a masterpiece. You're an heir. You know what a son is in the king? A prince. <laughs> he says, I've given you authority. Stop backing down. Stop thinking you got to be polite when it comes to other people's beliefs. You don't need to put them down, but you don't need to say something stupid like it's okay if you believe that. I hear that all the time from Christians. When we talk about real issues, most, especially uh, young adults and teenagers, they always say things like, well, it's okay if they believe that. I love them. No, it's not okay if they believe that. You should love them so much that it should really mess your spirit up to where you say, I'm going to speak life into them until the thing I speak pulls them out of their lie. Am I talking to anyone? <laughs> John 7, 37-39 says this. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of what? Living waters will flow from his heart. Now here's the cool part in verse 39. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who will be given to everyone believing in him. You hear that? The Spirit is available to everyone who simply believes. But the Spirit had not been given yet because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Jesus has entered into his glory. He's, been, he's, he's risen. He has ascended into heaven. And the Holy Spirit was released in Acts upon the church. So if you believe, whether you understand it or not, you are a temple and you house the Holy Spirit. And there's so much argument over, is there a second baptism or a third baptism? Can I just be honest with you? I think there's like a thousand baptisms. Because it's not that you don't have the Holy Spirit. is you have not immersed yourself in the truth of it. 
Y'all didn't get that. You have not immersed yourself in the truth that he is in you. So what is baptism? To be immersed by water. He says, when he was talking about living waters flowing from him, he said living water was speaking of the Spirit. <laughs> so what's going on here? It all starts with where the water flows. You want to know why you're not walking in spiritual authority? You want to know why you haven't experienced all the gifts of the Spirit? Or maybe even one? Or maybe you're just in one and you're craving more? Why haven't you done it? It's not because your worship hasn't gotten more extravagant. It's not because I need to get in church more. It's simply by this. The amount that the Holy Spirit will flow in you and through you is totally put in how much you are coming to him for your water. What is your water source? You cannot operate in the immense capacity of Holy Spirit if you're not being washed by the word. If you are not washed by the word and you are not getting the water from Jesus as your life source, no matter how much you come to church and no matter how much you listen to sermons and no matter how loud you get in your worship, Holy Spirit will be hindered. Why? Not by you. It's by you not washing yourself in water, which is the word. Is this making sense? So David says we can't, we can't just break through the walls. The only way to get this stronghold down is to get through the water source. David was a smart guy, wasn't he? So verse 9, David made the fortress his home, and he called it the city of David. That word fortress in the original was, guess what word? Stronghold. He extended the city, starting at the supporting terraces and working inward. David became, <clears throat> became more and more powerful because the Lord God of heaven's armies was with him. The king here in Tyre sent messengers to David along with cedar timber and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built David a palace. And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. You see, remember earlier how I talked about Jerusalem was in the center? <clears throat> it stood border between two specific tribes, Benjamin and Judah. This place, because it had been inhabited by the enemy for so long, it hadn't been claimed by a tribe yet. What was God trying to do? Unify the tribes. So the perfect place for the new king to set up capital was in a place that had not been corrupted by division. He says, let me make my capital in this place that has not been claimed. And I'm going to conquer it and dwell in it because it is a place for it that will represent a unified Israel. When you break down the strongholds and start to let God flow into the place and rename your territory in a unified place where every bit of you is unified in Jesus, you know what happens? Your territory starts to attract favor to sustain your occupancy. What do you mean, Kyle? David won. He renamed the city, moved in, changed the look of it, refortified it, and then the king of Tyre sent people to build what he needed to build. Because the other king saw that David was doing something in this place. 
And we always hear these stories of favor and, well, when is favor going to come to me? When is God going to start blessing me with stuff? Favor, you will attract favor and blessing when you start to break down strongholds and start to let pure water flow all throughout your country. Until you start doing that, no one's going to be attracted to you. The only thing you're going to attract is the things of the world. And when you attract the things of the world and that's all you know, your strongholds get thicker and stronger and taller. This is a good word. Maybe you can't get established because your flow is not from rivers of living water. And because your flow is not from rivers of living water, blessings can't be sustained because your life source can't sustain, cannot sustain the fruit of God's blessing. God says, I want to give you this. And the only thing that can sustain it is my water. But because all you got is your water, if I gave it to you now, you'd lose it before you started to use it. You'd lose it before I could do anything with it. Because you got the wrong water on the seeds that I want to produce fruit. And then in verse 13, after moving from Hebron to Jerusalem, David married more concubines and wives, and they had more sons and daughters. These are the names of David's sons who were born in Jerusalem. Shamu, <laughs> Shamua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibar, Eleshua, mm -hmm. N, J, E, E, and E, verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. Now, isn't it interesting, this entire story of David, we've been talking about Philistines, Philistines, Philistines. They've lost everything. And they're so prideful. And they're so full of themselves. When David moves in, the Philistines heard, and they go, oh, we got to fight them. Now, to me, that's a dumb war tactic. They're like, hey, y'all, I know we've lost like, every battle for the past 20 years, but y'all want to go after them? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> so, so they go after them. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. Wait a minute. He went into a stronghold? I thought we just spent the last half hour talking about getting rid of strongholds. Well, the message is called victory in strongholds. And sometimes the greatest victory is tearing down the wrong stronghold and going into the right one a book that we don't really read a lot, the book of Nahum in the Bible, in chapter 1, verse 7, says this, The Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust him. Victory in strongholds is not just about casting down the strongholds of enemies. It's knowing that we have a stronghold for us too. You know what the stronghold of God is? It's his presence. Because there's so many times where life beats on us, and the day gets troubling. And often what we do, because we haven't had the river flowing in, we revert to wrong strongholds. And then we got to spend time going through a whole new process of restoration. It's called relapse. And relapse ain't just for people in AA and, and NA. We all relapse. We relapse in gossip and sexual morality and, and, and alcohol and and, and gambling addictions, and there's all kind of stuff we just relapse in. And God says, 
I want you to realize that it's not that you don't need a stronghold, it's that you need to run into the right stronghold. And where you think that one was correct, I am your stronghold now, and run to me. So it says what David did when he ran into the presence of God, the stronghold, in verse 18, it says the Philistines arrived, and they spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Look how humble he is. He's won every battle, and he's still asking God, will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yeah, go ahead. I'll certainly hand them over to you. So David went to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named the place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who burst through. The Lord who burst through. <laughs> Why was the Lord able to burst through? Because David was a man who was after God's own heart, and the entire time he was being fed by the right flow. So he knew, I've got to get through the place of their flow, rename it, restructure it, let it be a house of God, let it be the presence of God, let it be the stronghold of God, and because of this, when enemies come and attack us, my, Lord, my God is going to bust through them like they ain't nothing. Remember what he said? I hate you deaf and blind uh, Jebusites. He said from this day forth, the deaf and blind will not come in. You need to be so secure in your authority that when you build your temple unto God, that you make a declaration that deaf, blind, and lame cannot get, any more, cannot get in me anymore. I'm not going to let weak people influence me. I'm not going to let weak people get in. I'm going to influence them. They're not getting in my house. I'm going in theirs, and I'm going to restructure their camp, and I'm going to restructure their mindset. They're not going to get in my place. I'm getting in there place. I am going to make sure that they don't stay deaf and blind because deaf and blind don't stand in the presence of God. Deaf and blind falls down and they raise up with eyes to see and ears to hear and they can walk where they couldn't walk before. So David went into the stronghold. He went into the protection that is the presence of God. You want to know why he went there? Because here's the truth. When you rebuild a place of a stronghold for God, when you rebuild your life to let only rivers of living water flow through, if you don't watch it, the enemy is going to try to come back. That's what happened right here. The Philistines came back. Matthew 12 even gives us some, some insight to it. In verse 43, it says, When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none. That's what the Philistines did. Look, and then it says, it, I will return to the person I came from. Let me repeat that. When you get rid of something in your life, it's going to stroll around, find no place to call home, and it's going to come back to you. And the enemy's not dumb. And the way the enemy tries to come back is the very thing that feeds you, and it's your water tunnel. And it says... It returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. So it gets mad. It says, then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. And that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. If you do not replace this if you do not replace the area that you've removed evil from and restructure it and fill it with living water, 
it will find room to get in and it will be stronger than before. That is why everyone who messes up again and again, each time it gets harder and harder. It gets more difficult and more difficult. And you've got to take down the stronghold all over again. And you know what the great thing about the house of God is? The way the house of God was built and the way the church was built and really meant to be built is we understand that and we have the grace and love to walk each other through it no matter how many times or how long it takes. Because we don't love what you've become. We love what you should be living in the renaming of you. When I hear people gossip now, I don't look at gossiper. I look at a child of God who's missed it again. And I extend grace. And that's hard for me to do. Because I see a lot of people fall and sometimes I take the responsibility like, oh my gosh, what have I done again? Like, did I not preach good enough? And God's like, hey boy, it ain't got nothing to do with you. You threw out the seed of my word and it's up to them to let that thing to get through the water tunnel. The only thing I want you to do is if they fall again, help them rebuild. Not turn our backs on each other, not talk about each other, but rebuild each other. So what do you do? Psalm 91, verse 9 through 11. If you make the Lord your refuge, your stronghold, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil is going to conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Not when you tell the enemy to leave, and not when you successfully get the enemy out. It's when you reorder to where the enemy no longer has a place. And once you rebuild, and once you start allowing the right water to get in, he says, I will make my place a refuge, and I will protect you with angels. I don't think the church talks about angels enough. They're very real. And let, can I just be honest? They're not white mists up in the clouds. They're not rays of light coming through the cloud that you think looks like a person and people say they had a vision from the Lord. The Bible explains it very clearly. They got fire coming out their eyes. They got like two or three heads. They've got eight pairs of wings. They're huge and they'll make you go to the bathroom if you saw them. That's actual scripture. You should read it. They're big, awesome, angelic, amazing beings that are so bright you got to turn your eyes toward them. You remember in the Christmas story, the shepherds look up, the angels came, and they were so bright they had to cover their eyes. I'm good if that's going to protect me. That's all I need to know. Not just that God's got it, but he sends thousands of those things to be around me. So if God tells me to speak to the person... I ain't worried about what's in his pocket or what's in his mouth or what he's going to say to me. I'm protected by angels, and if my God says go, I'm going to go. You've got to remove the strongholds of the enemy. You've got to rename them unto God, and you've got to run into his presence and ask, what do I do? And when David asked God, I'm going to close with this. When David asked God, what do I do? You see, the first time he said, go through to the Philistines and sweep through them. Well, the second time he asked, if we read it, 
back in verse 23, it says David asked the Lord what to do, and, the, and God said, don't attack them straight on. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. And look at verse 24. When you hear a sound like marching feet and the tops of the popular trees, poplar trees, listen to that now. You, when you hear the sound of marching feet on top of the trees, be on alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the army. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Jezreel. And I'm going to close with this scripture because it reminded me of this in Deuteronomy 31.8. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He won't fail you, and he won't abandon you. I believe that those sounds of marching troops above the trees wasn't just something that God used as a power trick. I believe God did for David exactly what he tells he's going to do for us. I'm going to go before you, and I've got a troop of angels going before you, and I'm going to make the path easy for you to get in and take care of business. And I think there's so many times that we do not see success in taking that territory because we try to go in too soon instead of letting God go ahead of us and take care of the groundwork. Because we have resorted to the wrong strongholds and we can't hear God anymore because we get the wrong water feeding our life source. Victory and strongholds. God wants to do amazing things through you. He wants to see great victory in your life. And it all starts with what's coming through my water gate. Am I being washed? Is my life source being washed by the water that is the word of God? Or is it all this other stuff that Jesus wants no part of? It's not right versus wrong anymore. It's what is life and what is death. And when you start keeping the commands of the word, you don't make yourself safe, saved, or holy. It's you make your temple look like the fact that you are saved and holy. And because you start getting the living water into your veins, the spirit, the spirit has the ability to flow freer. You start to hear clearer. You start to see better. And God says, now when you hear the sounds of a rushing wind, of my angels walking before you, you will go in, you will have victory wherever you go. Because you're no longer relying on the strongholds of old. You're no longer keeping yourself back because of strongholds that you have built up or have captured you. The only stronghold you have now is the presence of God. Amen. Let's stand.